0: The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell.
1: All right. What is up, sales hustlers? I've got a fantastic guest for you today. I've got Ryan Scalera, who is in sales at a sales guy, uh, which is ran by the infamous Keenan. Um, I actually coincidentally have my I Am A Sales Badass t-shirt courtesy of Keenan on today. I did survive gap selling live, made it out with a couple of bruises and scrapes. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was the only one to actually sell Keenan thus far. So not too bad. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys learn a little bit more about Ryan and how he got into sales. And then we're going to talk about tactical stuff. I imagine we're gonna talk about gap selling uh and we'll see where it goes. So Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show. I
2: appreciate you for having me. And that is a trophy to to wear. The only one to sell Keenan is a, a good thing. That's I we're me and Rachel are afraid of that show ourselves. And ah. we both we both sold Keenan. So <laughs> that takes a lot a lot.
1: Yeah, I'd love to talk more about that. So first let's Give a little give folks a little context, like how did you get into sales and tell them a little bit about yourself? And I love to tell everybody this, but I mean it the short version, because we want to save this for the tactical stuff as much as possible.
2: Absolutely. So, um, you know, after after leaving college, I would do what anyone who wanted to get into sales in New Jersey would do, which is sell frozen Italian food. (laughs) Uh, and uh, that was my it was completely by accident i i found out i was uh, about to have my daughter um, that my wife was pregnant it was really exciting time and i was like oh my god i left the music industry right before this so i knew that i wanted to get into a job where i could communicate with a lot of people and this was selling frozen italian food at a farmer's market I then went to selling glass bottled milk door to door. So I I did a lot of the really weird and tough sales in the beginning mm. and the the road has been really winding and confusing but the best road I've ever taken. Wow,
1: okay. So common common story people just kind of I mean one thing you said that stood out is you like anybody who wanted to get into sales cuz that's that's a that's an interesting thing because most people don't Necessarily want to get into sales. Most people have a very bad, you know, taste in their mouth from somebody who sold them or mm-hmm. uh, something like that, and they think, oh, salespeople are evil or it's a dirty word or you know, those are kind of the more common things that I hear. And they're like, you yeah, know, hey, uh, I lost my job or graduated in two thousand eight, and sales was the only thing <laughs> that was <laughs> you know hiring, and I fell into sales. But you said you wanted to get into sales, so tell me a little bit about that.
2: So it, it was odd. I mean, it, I didn't end up liking it for the beginning because I realized I wanted to believe in whatever I sold. Um, and that mm. was the challenge in the beginning was working for companies that I either enjoyed their product um, or I just believed that they were really good at what they did and they were helping people. Mm. I think that's like a key thing that people, when they get into sales or they, they see one of those kind of like sketchy salespeople um it typically is something where it's like forcing or trying to you know pummel over someone into buying something that they may not want may not need for me i love italian food i'm an italian guy from new jersey so but do you if- love
1: frozen italian food
2: i don't and the funny <laughs> thing is his, th- this guy who was at my wedding like he was a good uh friend he still is and he inspired me He a one day Ryan, you're going to find a a more sophisticated sale and you're going to leave this all behind. So he's very supportive and he knew that I was was crushing it when I did it. But I could just talk about the ingredients and people would start, their mouth would start watering. And I would, I love cooking. So I started going into, oh, this is how he does the rollatini and oh, it has this and this is how you got to cook it. And for some reason I was able to Outdo any of the people that I was working with who just kind of like opened the coolers and showed them the food. And then was like, Do you want to buy? Um, so I'd, I'd strike up real conversation. And that's something I learned in the music industry. So I like when I sat down after the music industry, I was like, What skill set do I have? And I was like, Okay, I can get the attention of really important people. I got to meet a lot of famous people and I did it in very weird and slick ways. I find that so relevant. To calling up CEOs and and getting in touch with really important people in business is very relatable to how it was in the music industry
1: because you you've, to- even, you've yeah. even you've even you've uh, even incorporated that into how you outreach, which I've seen some of your videos.
2: <laughs> I finally got the skill sets to connect and uh, allowed to show a little bit more of my personality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically what you're saying is like being creative can really help you in sales because then you can really differentiate yourself in the type of conversations that you have, the way that you do your outreach or breaking through the noise of all the other bullshit that they're used to hearing from everybody else with their cold call script and their cold emails and their LinkedIn DMs that just are about features and benefits. Hands down.
2: I mean, how many emails do you get in your inbox? Like, that's what every salesperson that's doing cold outreach should think. They're competing with everyone else and crafting the most perfect educational email. Sometimes it just isn't how you get it. Even though their services could be 10 times more important, if they can't figure out a way to break through the noise, and that's where creativity comes in. Like, how do you get the attention and then the back end? How do you deliver? Once, you know, once you get that attention,
1: it's, it's definitely, it's definitely an important point. Um, so listen up sales hustlers, because, you know, showing up differently, being creative and bringing yourself into the conversation can make a big difference. Now, just to be, you know, those I've kept for a minute, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people and I've even thought this myself is like, it's hard to scale that, right? Like, especially when a lot of these sales orgs are like, you got to do, You got to have this many meetings. You got to have this many discovery calls. You got to have this many demos. You got to make this many dials. And it's like, yeah, but it took me a half a day to create this perfect email with this perfect video. And it was a really meaningful outreach, but they haven't responded yet. So it's something that's hard to scale, but there's also an argument to be like, hey, you need to be spending less time with more people. So tell me a little bit about that.
2: Do both. So I have a long list of people that I call that is pretty generic in my approach. It's somewhat volume, obviously quality. I work on my skills so that I can, you know, get results out of that. And I have a number, but at the same time, there's certain times where I think a little bit of personalization, if I can find a connective tissue, which those two videos I did, one for Gong, one for Get accept. There was a connective tissue that I found that I was able to take my creativity and pull it together that didn't take away from my other activities that I need to do to hit my number, get the right amount of meetings, get the right amount of revenue in. But ultimately, I, I don't think you have to be siloed to quantity or quality. I think you can run both strategies simultaneously and maybe just save the creativity for some of the more important or bigger accounts. So that way, like if you hit it good, if you don't, you know, you're still playing this other more volume, um, you know, slight personalization game.
1: Right. Yeah. So making space for both, you know, your quality, your your quality that are maybe, you know, the your dream list. Right, everybody's got their dream list. Um, but tell me, one thing that stood out that you said is you found this, you know, connective tissue to be able to, you know, open up your creativity to reach out in that way. So, yeah. tell me about that. Like, are you looking for opportunities to do something creative? Are you creating time or space to like do research around people on your dream list? Like, walk me through the tactical steps of like how you're finding time to reach out differently in a very personalized way. Yep. Um, it, on top of also doing your more volume-driven activities?
2: So it's something that I definitely stumble upon. Gong was someone I wanted to to speak to, and I love their company. I love their product. I was just such a big fan in general of them. And I started to create a strategy. I knew I was going to do something around this. I had to figure out what it was going to be. So when they announced their their Series D, I knew a lot of people were posting this video of congratulations, Gong, you know, you're so awesome. Talk to me uh, kind of thing. And I saw so many people doing it and, you know, I just figured out how could I take it, take what I know from them and just instead of reinventing the wheel, just turn it just a little bit, do something different to get their attention. So I connected with a ton of their salespeople. I was already speaking with some of them. I was already speaking with the marketing team. Um... And I started to create uh, an approach where I knew that these many people had read Gap Selling. They call themselves Gongsters. Everybody keeps uh, quoting a Living in a Gongster's Paradise. So I decided to change the song to another one that was uh, from Office Space to be a little more relevant. Then I wrote the lyrics, I recorded it, I put the video together and I made it really funny. And I knew that if I did it this way, they're also a LinkedIn heavy organization. I knew that this would speak their love language, so to speak. They're it's getting in front of their ICP too. So I'm connected to all sales leaders. They're selling to sales leaders as well. So that's why I chose Get Accept the same way, is because I knew it would do a similar thing. The salespeople would all kind of rally together and be like, oh, you have to take this meeting now. This is this is very creative. Like we wish we could do this kind of stuff. So it was very thought out, and I repeated the exact process for Get Accept as well, and plus little extra branding for them. So I think mm. it, them were a little over ten thousand views, bunch of sales leaders comment. So it's uh, it was fun to
1: do. So what was, has have you? Number one, did you get the meeting?
2: Okay. I, don't, I don't want to, it's not like a kiss and tell thing, but yeah, I got, I got both of the meetings fairly quickly. Um, may it, will it, is it out of social pressure? Possibly a little um, where it's like their sales. doesn't people, matter
1: though. You, you just need to, the, you just got to get the meeting and then it's up to you from there. Yes. If you're, if you're following a proper gap selling framework, which I'm going to assume you are, then you can see if it's a fit or if there's something you can solve for them,
2: right? It's always a work in progress. I don't think anybody is a perfect gap seller. Uh, And I've even seen Keenan be like, you know, even though I wrote it and it is me, like, it's not easy all the time. Sometimes you miss something. So I think it's an ideal uh, to be able to live up to kind of thing.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to... Uh, it's easy to see things in other people, but then it's harder to see it in yourself sometimes, especially in a salesperson, right? Like you can, you know, see a colleague that's like, oh, they should have said that. They shouldn't have said that. Or why didn't they ask that? Right. But then it's harder to see it in yourself. But I mean, my experience going on, Gap sell so Keenan live like I thought I was doing a decent job, but every time his face lit up, I knew yeah. I had something coming at me that uh, you yeah. know it's almost like stopped me in my tracks. Like okay, what's he going to say now? You and know? It's,
2: it's it's funny because like that is a lot of the coaching. It's great. It's not as I think it's it's a lot easier to work for Keenan than people might think. He goes hard on the feedback on the live because I think we need to call attention to that. Most people rely on their product or they're, they're trying to sell on technical problems. So I get that. But in the same time, like, I, I had a perfect, uh, not perfect, but a, ve- a very good discovery call I did, and the feedback was you could have gotten to that problem quicker. So I think mm-hmm. there's always ways to improve. Even the perfect call where you close the business, there's a way you could have served the client better, could have done it better, and that's one of the best uh, benefits of working for Keenan is the amazing coaching that I get, um, which I feel like is for free.
1: Mm, yeah, no, and that's huge. Something you said stood out, right? Is 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 that you know there's always room to get better, right? So I think that's where a lot of salespeople fall short, especially people that have been in sales a lot. Sometimes they think that they know it all right? Or, Hey, this is what I've been doing and it's been working and got me this far. So why am I going to listen to, you know, somebody else? Right. But yeah. the minute you stop learning or stop being open-minded to getting better, you're in trouble.
2: I totally agree. And that's, uh, like, I think coming here was, I, I even said to him, I'm like, I was a little afraid, but the reason I was afraid is because I was afraid to shine a light on where I need to improve And just coming to that conclusion made me realize that I had to do it.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So now tell me a little bit about um, like, just, you know, for the folk, you know, with the current situation and lots of people unemployed and getting laid off, there's going to be a lot of stories that are the more really common traditional story of like fell into sales or lost my job, got a sales job. Like, what do you tell those folks? Like, just getting into sales, you know, being in sales for a while yourself, like what advice would you give them?
2: Uh, don't be afraid to ask for advice from the people that you want to be like, even though you, you know, maybe you don't want to be in their position when they are. Like I reached out during when I was unemployed during COVID, I reached out to everyone, uh, everyone that I saw that was doing something I thought I could learn from, and I asked for time. And I mean, sometimes they're just not able to give it and that, that's fine as well. But a lot more people uh, and a lot higher profile people are willing to give you advice, give you support and be there for you if they see you taking the steps to do so. So, you know, the same way, if you get into a company and you're newer, go find the top performers and maybe do something for them first instead of just asking, but like try to learn what they're doing. Try and figure out what's working and then emulate it and then try to advance on your own as well. But, you know, in the beginning, it's it's all a learning process and a grinding process. So you have to do the work. You have to do the work to stay there to be able to learn more and improve.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, asking for help is really hard for some people, right? Especially in like the, you know, colleague environment right yeah. especially in a sales environment right because if everybody's so competitive by nature too but you know something that i've seen a lot especially what's really ramped up during covid is a lot of these like peer communities mm-hmm. right peer to peer so there's a lot of you know, salespeople in B2B sales, SaaS sales, you know, different levels, SDRs, BDRs, AEs, CROs, all over the place that are just meeting in these places and, and helping each other because it's, it's a very safe environment for you to just come and, and get help. Yeah. You know, and, and, but you got to ask, you got to speak up, you got to ask for help and people, human beings like helping people. So there's going to be somebody that's willing to step up and give you that help. Hands
2: down, um, and I've had several people starting to reach out to me now, asking for advice, help, stuff like that. And I love, I love doing it. Um, I, I, I'm trying to work with my little cousin right now, who's thinking about getting into SaaS, and uh, I'm starting to work with her. And I'm like, all right, let, let, you know, you've never done sales, so let me see where I can tap into my resources. Here's where I think you should start reading. Here's what you should start thinking about because these are the truths about the industry but here's the result that could come from it if this is really what you want but i want you to soul search and and figure out it if it is Um, i think asking for help is hard and people don't feel like worthy enough to ask for help but at the end of the day people are people and as what you said they want they want to help some may be too busy to offer their time but they'll usually send you some sort of advice
1: yeah, yeah. Now, I want to go back to something you said early on, right? Is because you talked a little bit about like being passionate about what you sell, either making a difference or, or something like that. How important, you know, this is something that people have different opinions on. How important do you think that is and why?
2: Uh, I think it's about 90, 90% important because, listen, every every product, every service has its flaws. So you're not, and you may work for a company that's the third best in the industry. <laughs> Um, that might be for a reason that may not be, but I think that believing in what you sell is extremely important. It, it keeps you away from selling a product and it puts you towards solving problems. And when I, like, I fully believe in gap selling, that is just, I went through it. I saw the results it had for me all the things that they were claiming that it was going to improve my win rates, increase my deal sizes, stop my discounting, get, you know, bad leads out of my funnel. It did that Mm. and really quickly. So I was like, this is amazing. I would love to do this. I also wanted to sell the sales later. So it it just kind of lined up. But if you're, if you truly do not believe in what you sell at all, and you're just using pricing tactics and all that stuff, go find another job. Like that, that's my Mm. advice.
1: All go. right, Listen up. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, go find something that you are um, because, you know, it's only good, you're only going to not that you couldn't survive. make it work or survive, but you're you're limiting yourself when yep. when when you have a, a deep reason why you're doing what you're doing. You can go a lot further. And, and and that doesn't mean that like if you're just getting into sales that you have to be super passionate about the first sales job, but maybe it's just to, you know, see if your sales is a good fit for you, right? Because it's hard to turn down a job, especially in today's economy, right? But um you know you're only going to go so far and you're gonna be limiting yourself if you're not passionate about what you do if you really think that you're serving helping others or have a deep you know seated you know um, reason why for yourself personally as well
2: i i like what you said i actually had to turn down a job that paid more and was kind of like a guarantee that it would all work out they were just in such a good position um that i knew i could get through and i could do but I was just maybe 15% less passionate about that than I was about what I'm doing. And I, I it was a hard convince for the rest of my family and my wife. But at the same time, I was like, I know that it'll keep me happier long term to do what I'm more passionate about. And I think oh,
1: yeah. it, it's, and, yeah, it's a trick. because you, you you can't you can't show up as your best self at work if you're not if your personal needs aren't being met, right? If you're not happy if you're not you know different things balanced if you're not you know being fulfilled by what you're doing there's so many personal things that need to be in good order even you know eating healthy sleeping well taking care of yourself meditating whatever it is like there's so much personal work that has to be done to be able to show up as your best self in your professional you know job
2: yeah they say that like if your five to nine is not good it's likely that your nine to five won't be
1: Right or the or or, 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 if you're, or, vice <laughs> or vice versa, right or the flip side. I had to think about that for a second, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but but yeah, if you're not taking care of yourself personally, then you're going to show up with a shitty attitude every day and not perform.
2: Yeah,
1: right. Um, and so yeah, I mean, your personal and professional definitely need to be like integrated, and in if one is suffering, the other will for sure, hundred percent. Mm. Um, all right. So now what about folks that have been in sales for a while? Maybe they have, eh, I guess, for lack of a better term, shitty leadership, um, <laughs> or they're not getting the training that they need, or they've kind of hit a ceiling. Like, what do you tell those folks?
2: Um, I mean, this depends on their specific scenario, but I've been a big fan of taking a step backwards to take a step forwards. I've seen a lot of people do it, especially now with with covid and lack of jobs on the market where maybe a VP has to go take a director position to build back up to a VP or become a, you know, a CRO or and then on the lower side, like if you're an AE, don't feel ashamed to take a step back and become, you know, a hybrid or an SDR if you know you can execute and then grow your career from it um i think that people kind of get they feel like trapped into where they are and therefore they think that if they make a move it'll be damaging to their career there's a lot of talk about job hopping but at the same time there's a lot of companies that say have you executed uh, what were your results? And I don't really mind the fact that you've been at other companies. What did you do at those companies? So for me, I'm starting to I, – I I don't just try to get education from Keenan. I reach out to the other people and the other thought leaders, and I really try to absorb as much as I can from them. I think people st- used to t- stay too siloed to their company and what they could provide them where there are so many educational resources out there. As you said, those community groups. Um, yeah, I see a bunch of people just jumping on, like Thursday Night Sales, you're, you're, you know, Scott Lee's, like all these people are putting stuff out there. It depends on what you're willing to go out and consume. Some people have a time constraint, but I have two kids, a wife, and a lot of other stuff I'm juggling. So, I'm, you know, if I'm able to do it every once in a while, I think that other people should start doing that.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And a couple things you said, you know, stood out. Right? Is if you're an A if you're an AE and you have to take an SDR job, like that's that's okay. Right. If you're maybe you're not passionate about what you're doing and you're limiting yourself, but you, you know, to get in somewhere where you can really, you know, feel fulfilled by what you're doing and really feel like you're serving people well might mean taking a step back. And also, you know, people are different. Right. So every environment, maybe the environment you're in is not the best. Some people do well. In more of a full sales type, you know, type of role, yeah. right? Where they're doing lead gen and you know selling. You know, um, some people might do better in more of a startup environment. Some people might thrive more in a larger, you know, corporate environment. So, you know, see, maybe you know, that's something to consider as well.
2: Yeah, testing out where you, you fit. I I think that I really enjoy startups, but I've never worked. I I have, but not in a tech, a large, large tech company. I have the assumption, but I I could be wrong. I could go work for a large company one day and love it. And all the structure and processes already built out. But I, I'm just someone who likes to be able to have flexibility to build those kind of things and figure out what is going to work best and where we could take it, where I don't think that might be conducive. So like, If you're in a startup and you're trying to get to a larger company, there's probably a play that you could do in that startup to help you start leveraging to get into that next role that will get you where you want. I also like, I was an account executive for a couple of years. I'm basically taking a step down into more of a hybrid role because I really want to lead a sales development team one day and grow one. And I knew that I was only an SDR for like, eight months when I was one because I crushed it and just got promoted. But I was like, I want to put my money where my mouth is. If I'm really going to coach and train people to do this, I want to be able to prove that I can still do it. And I can mm. do it at a level that most people like are, take time to reach. So that- that's
1: an int- Yeah. That's an interesting thing because, um, you know, there's, there's the common scenario where, bestseller gets promoted to you know promoted to managing a team or vp or manager or whatever and it's not the right place for them it shouldn't be not every great seller is a great leader or manager or motivator Mm -hmm. um but then there's also the argument that like people who lead or manage or motivate like do they need to be actively selling or practicing what they preach as well
2: i think to to stay sharp you need to have some essence of it um I think that understanding what, not what your reps are going through, but really all intimately knowing where they could be working to improve. I think there, there's more of this like coaching type of role and, and all these like outsource enablement functions that are starting to come in. But sometimes like the basic sales skills are something where you need your manager to be listening in and coaching you and saying, oh, I notice you keep doing this read this book or let's try to go through this exercise let's let's uproot your thinking and i think that if you haven't done sales in in 30 years or 20 years and you've just been in management you're really good at understanding managing situations and people but i think there's an element to these leaders that still do what they what they manage and i think Mm -hmm. that makes them just that much more dangerous so to speak
1: yeah yeah, I, I agree with that. Totally. Um, because you're also going to re- earn a lot more respect from your team as well. If they see you not just being, you know, a sales leader, but a sales doer as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. Awesome. Ryan, thanks so much for, for coming on today. Tons of great nuggets in there for you sales hustlers that are listening. Uh, before I let Ryan go, I'm going to let him tell you where you can connect with him, learn more and what he has for you guys.
2: Definitely. So listen, I I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Um, You can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm going to be putting more content on other platforms, but I put out very goofy and sometimes educational content about sales, sales development, sales leadership, coaching, and training. Um, And I love to communicate with people on the LinkedIn platform. So you can always count on me to respond to messages, content. And yeah, that's really where I love to connect.
1: Awesome. Thanks again for coming on. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, write us a review, and we're listening for your feedback.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.